Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth. I'm an intimacy coach and psychologist. I created this show to explore the erotic alphabet, to help you learn more about desire and expressing your desires, discover ways to spice up your relationship and create that sizzling relationship you've always wanted. I do this through solid science, real life stories, and interviews with an exciting variety of sex experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create your ideal sexual life. Make sure you join us to access even more sexual strategies on my blog, A to Z of Sex. Access our monthly newsletter with subscriber only offers at www.atozofsex.com. That's A T O Z O F S E X. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of Sex. I'm Dr. Lori Beth. And I am your host. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Today, the letter is S, and S is for scent. In the animal kingdom, pheromones are scent markers, and these trigger certain responses and behaviors. Some trigger sexual responses, and others territorial. As human animals, scent plays a more complicated role in our emotional and physical responses. Research highlights scent as the strongest encoded sense in memory. Full sensory flashbacks can be brought on by a single smell. Scent alerts us to when partners are potentially good genetic matches and as to when we are fertile. Scent can warn us of danger. And scent can trigger the most comforting of memories. Perfume is still one of the most treasured gifts for women and for men. Today, I am joined by Rosa Dove. Rosa Dove is one of the world's most respected scent makers. He is a British master perfumer and is known most recently for his own scent line, Rosa Parfums. Rosa puts his passion and creative flair into every project he touches, and his attention to detail is second to none. In his words, only the best will do. He is known for working with only the world's finest ingredients, whether in a bespoke creation, in one of his Roja line, or in his Poor Maison line of scent for homes and offices. Each scent takes an average of six to 18 months to complete, and all new releases are eagerly awaited. From his flagship store, 51 Burlington Arcade in London, to the Hout Perfumery at Harrods, to any of his 145 outlets in 36 countries, his scents inspire romance, sensuality, and adorn the most discerning of individuals. Rosa states that a perfumer is a poet or a storyteller who creates the tangible from the intangible. His scents are luxurious and inspire complex emotional responses. Thank you so much for joining me, Rosa. Thank you very much for asking me. And thank you for that lovely introduction. You are so welcome. And I am obviously (laughs) one of the people who eagerly awaits every new scent. (laughs) Indeed, I know you are. Thank you. So how important do you think scent is to intimacy, sex, and sexuality? It's uh, one of the most fundamental parts of it. As you said in your, in your introduction, uh, the sense of smell is the oldest sense in living organisms, and we have a sense of smell to fulfill three functions, to find food, to escape danger, and to find a mate. Uh, as you know, humans are one of the only animals that kiss and it is the most intense form of smelling in the animal kingdom. 
And I often say, you know, you, you can be out somewhere and you see somebody and they look very, you know, fabulous. They look very sexy. They look exciting. You start to chat to them. You get nearer. It gets more exciting. And then there's that moment when you kiss them for the first time and all you want to do is push them away. It's because they don't smell right. And I think one of the things that uh, maybe many of your listeners won't realize but we don't smell with our nose, which is a big surprise to most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't, in the same way, we don't taste with our mouth, which most people remember loosely from school. You know, that we, we only taste salt, sweet, sour, bitter, and amami without the nose working. The two combined are what is considered uh, to, or called flavor. And so we don't smell with our nose. We smell with the most primitive part of our brain where all of our um, emotions are processed. It's the, 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 the animal part of us. And of course, sex is one of the most animal things we do. And so if somebody doesn't smell right, the sex is going to go nowhere. You know, I, I found that um, both professionally in talking with people, but also personally. I was engaged to somebody once, an absolutely lovely man, uh, and ended the engagement because I couldn't get past the way he smelled. And it wasn't that he had a bad smell. You know, his, pre- his hygiene was good. He put on cologne. Yep. His body smell didn't work for me. But yes, a, a bad smell to you because it's not appealing. Yes. So not, not a bad smell as, as in a malodor, but just one that isn't appealing. And the converse of that, of course, is that I've always said that my work is a little bit like alchemy. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that I make sense and what I create is my, my artistic impression of something. But it only really comes to, to life when somebody wears it. Yes. And that's part of a lot of other things. It's about the environment you're in, the lighting, mm-hmm. personality of the person wearing it. When you combine all of those things together, there's this uh, magical alchemy. And it's one of the most remarkable things. And I think one of the other things that people often forget, uh, when, when you lay with somebody for the first time, when you have sex with somebody, when you sleep with them, when you, when you make love with them, whatever it is you do, when you leave them for the very first time, if you haven't showered and your hand passes by your face, mm. I've always said nature is very kind because it gives us an imprint of our lover. They, they leave an imprint on us. Familiarity sadly makes that imprint become something we no longer smell. But I think there's nothing more exciting when you, when you walk away from somebody for that first time you slept with them and you, you actually smell their imprint on you. I think it's one of the sexiest mm-hmm. things in the world. Do you think that do you think that that's something that you can bring back if you've been familiar with somebody? Because I know exactly what uh, you're yes. talking about. It, it's an amazing smell. Yes, it is. It's um, it's a very difficult thing. Once we end up actually knowing that person that intimately, that that first gift we're given is stolen from us, and, and I don't think you ever get it back. I think that if you've been away from somebody for a very long time, I don't know if this is a good comparison or a good simile or not. It's a little bit like when you go on holiday. Every night when you go home, you don't notice the scent of your home. Mm -hmm. But when you've been away for two or three weeks, the first moment you open the door, the scent is enormous of of your home. It doesn't last for about five, 15 seconds, Mm -hmm. something like that. And I think the same is true um, with with lovers or partners, that when you, maybe if you have a break for whatever the reason, uh, then maybe you catch it again. But I, I think that, over time, that's the p- first part in a development in a relationship. And in the end, you, you, you notice other things. Okay. And um, what do you think the most important things to consider 
about scent in relation to intimacy are when people are are, are thinking about this in depth? Um, I think that uh, well, I think the first thing to remember is that scent and what uh, scent and sex what turns us on. I don't just mean sexually, just things we like, mm-hmm. things we find pleasurable are so subjective. So a lot of people might might think uh, if you have a very stereotypical male, whatever one of those is, uh, <laughs> who thinks that some very, very ultra-masculine smell is going to be the thing, whoever it is they're wanting to pick up, you know, you might find that the person they're trying to pick up absolutely hates that uh, facet of, of a man's character. Likewise, you know, what is something feminine? Mm-hmm. So a lot of um, a lot of people maybe don't like very very sweety sweety girly smells, but would find something very leathery and bold on a woman um, very exciting because it crosses into the forbidden, but or, or a stereotype of the forbidden. But I think that it really is just that that it's also subjective that you have to work out what it is that suits you, because in the end the scent that you where if it really is an expression of who you are as a person, if the person fancies you, they have to fancy the scent that's on you most likely. So I don't know if that, that makes sense. Yeah, the, 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 problem sense. Is, the, the problem is we can get so caught up in uh, marketing and the uh, visual imagery of, perfu- of commercial perfume today that if the advert shows you know, some super long-legged, sexy woman with a décolleté hanging out, uh, that maybe a woman will buy that because in her subconscious um, a, an image has been planted that this will make me have longer legs and, a, and bigger boobs or whatever it is. <laughs> because the reality is if the man or the, or the woman that that woman's going with doesn't end up smelling, uh, knowing what it is and doesn't have the reference point, then it most likely won't have that effect. So my, my uh, tip with it is really follow your nose. In the same way, I, I think you could say with sex, it's most likely the same. Follow your instinct. If you allow yourself uh, not to have preconceptions of things and just go with what you find pleasurable. So I think that's really the guide with, with scent. Not who makes it, not what it is, not how you think it is, but how does it make you feel? And I think the same is true of most, most things to do with us as human beings. It would not. Uh, it would not take you to wrong place. It would take you to right place. If if you follow, trying to be, trying, sorry to cut you. Trying, what I mean by that, just because it wasn't clear, is if you try to be something through somebody else's imagery mm-hmm. or impression, it most likely will go wrong. Follow your own gut instinct, and you'll most likely have a ball. I, I completely agree. I mean, I think um, authenticity is the most sexy thing of all. So, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred um, percent. One of the things I find um, I found so interesting when I discovered your sense was wandering in from at the time it was Harrod's. Um, it wasn't Urban Retreat. It was their beauty, hair and beauty, and and I had time to waste. And so I went into the Hope Perfum- Perfumery to smell thing. Yep. Now yep. I'm I'm a very scent oriented person. I've always scents are always have always been exciting to me and very important to me i react very strongly to, to negative scents as well so um i was fascinated by the opportunity to have a consultation where i could explore the different types of yep. scent that i enjoyed perhaps you could yep. talk a little bit about the kind of major categories of scent yeah t- totally so i think that uh, we have 
there are four main styles of uh, perfume that exist. There are florals, which tend to be pretty obviously sweet and flowery. Mm -hmm. Sounds a little banal, but that's what they are. They're maybe the easiest perfumes to understand, because if I give you a bunch of roses, you understand precisely what I've, what I've given you. Mm -hmm. um, the next family is called a chypre, which is spelled C-H-Y-P-R-E with an accent acute. It's French for the island of Cyprus. It got its uh, name because in Greek mythology, they believed it's where Aphrodite, the goddess of uh, love, was born. Ah. And, the and the legend says that she slept on a bed of mosses. And so these perfumes are based around mosses and woods. They generally, people that like them, generally have very, very strong character, mm -hmm. uh, are very, very self-assured people. They exist in both masculine and feminine perfumery. And um, I think people who are self-confident, who the idea of the word gray is not in their vocabulary, they're very black <laughs> and white, is uh, totally and utterly them. They're chypre people. They maybe just don't know who they are. And then the, the next family is called the, the Oriental. Most people have a very strange idea of what Oriental perfumes are. They think that they're based around spices, which they very rarely are. They're based around vanillic notes of materials like vanilla and um, ben benzoin, the mm -hmm. gum resin, so these are natural excretions from trees. Often they have something called oris, which is the root of the iris plant. Um, very, very soft and incredibly rich. The people who like these perfumes tend to be uh, sensualists. I do often say the difference between an oriental and um, chypre is that orientals are all about tease and promise where she plays deliver, they just don't talk about it. <laughs> and, um, and everybody I know who wears she plays not, uh, and Orientals, that's what I'd say is really what their uh, character is like. And then the last family only sits in uh, masculine perfumery. It's called a fougère. And these are based around lavender and geranium with touches of moss and touches of um, a slightly almondy note called tonka bean. Mm -hmm. And these are very, very fresh, they are, if you like, the masculine equivalent of the floral. The uh -huh. floral message we understand. That's the same is true, really, of the um, fougere. They make you think of being outdoors. They're very fresh and outdoorsy. Brilliant. So, um, so I don't know if that, if, if that sorts of helps. So you could say that the florals and the fougeres, people generally that like them, uh, have quite an easygoing disposition. Uh, every day is, you know, a sunny day. Everything's optimistic. People are like Chypre is totally about that understated tailored suit or dress with that one fabulous something that's been chosen. Mm -hmm. And the people who like Orientals love the idea of hedonism. <laughs> Wonderful. Hedonism. So given that, if you wanted to kind of increase the potential sensual atmosphere I, and, and uh, you know with the, we talk about things like aphrodisiacs so i'm thinking about it in terms of scent what would you do to increase or decrease okay the thing that i would never use is something citrus something that smells herbal mm -hmm. because that's going to make you think of somebody that runs a very very clean home mm -hmm. so unless you turn on sort of nuns or scrubbers literally in the more literal use of the word people mm -hmm. scrub floors I would use, I'm sorry, I would use materials like um, 
uh, it depends. If you want to create an environment which is almost bordering on uh, the disciplinarian or the authoritarian, I would make sure that you have lots of leathery notes in the perfume. Mm-hmm. So materials like lab, lab something called labdanum, which is very oh. leathery, uh, mosses, woods. These types of materials suggest something which is very, very the excitement of something uh, where somebody is very self-assured, where they're going to take you in their hands, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If somebody likes the idea of really being slowly seduced, like running your hand across a velvet or cashmere thing, very, very soft, then you should go for all these vanillic materials, so the oriental scents with their vanillas and their soft balsams. In the world of flowers, uh, white flowers are very, very interesting. Tuberous in particular, I've always referred to as the harlot of the night. Um, <laughs> Wonderful. Because as, as you know, but anybody uh, uh, with your background, um, we have the rational part of the brain, which when it smells flowers will end up thinking, oh, that's jasmine or that's tuberous or whatever. But white flowers, where they have no color, they re- rely on a naturally occurring molecule called indole uh, to attract night flying insects. The thing that's interesting about the indolent notes or uh, indolic notes, rather, I should say, is that indole naturally also occurs on our body. And we have it wherever we have pubic hair. So the rational part of your brain is thinking a flower garden or a vase of flowers. The subconscious part of the brain is thinking of one thing only, that you're down in the dingly dell. It makes you think of sex and nothing else. Um, And so these indolic notes are very, very interesting. If you take a material like uh, civet, which today is uh, synthesized, not used as a natural. Um, Civet has a very, very strange odor to it, which is uh, in its raw state slightly fecal, Mm -hmm. which is uh, to most people utterly abhorrent. And whenever I give that material to people to smell, they'd always say, oh, why would you want to use that in a perfume? And I always say to them, you don't smell with your nose, you're smelling with this primitive part of your brain. Mm -hmm. And so the tiniest, tiniest whisper in a perfume, and it needs to be a whisper that an untrained nose wouldn't detect it, your brain will end up thinking that it is down in the nether regions because your genitals are right next door to your anus and therefore it takes you to to forbidden places. Um, That makes perfect sense to me. I've always loved um, fragrances that have civet. I mean, not overwhelming, obviously, as you say, very, very done, but they're they're intoxicating. Exactly that. Um, My my greatest... um, one of the greatest compliments I've ever been given in an interview, and I've been quoted for saying this a thousand times, it's not because we're talking together and because of what your podcast is mm. about. Um, I've said that I'm most like the most quoted authority on perfumery in the world, and my favorite quote was when somebody started something saying, pornographer of perfumery, Roger Dove. Fantastic. And because I love the idea that I can make someone feel sexier by putting on one of my scents than maybe if they didn't have the scent on. So however sexy they feel about themselves, it adds to it. And I think that we must almost remember that man is very, very, mankind is very, very interesting, that we've learned how to manipulate reactions mm-hmm. from partners or would-be partners by using smells. We've learned to do it with makeup, we've learned to do it with lots of things, but we do it with perfume. And perfume is our secret accomplice. 
Because when you go out somewhere, you are giving off this very, very uh, fabulous signal, which no one can see. It's not the same as um, you know a man dressed this way or a woman wearing that. Because you can see that, and you could end up thinking that it's a deliberate act, uh, act or action. Mm-hmm. But with it, it, it creeps into your subconscious, whether you like it or not, and uh, it it hooks people. It hooks people in. And my thing is always, you know, uh, uh, looking at my own work. I've always said that perf- as a perfumer, I can make one of two types of scent. I can either make scent to make you smell fresh and clean, but that's totally not my work. Or I can put uh, a scent on you that makes you feel sexy, and that is what I try to do. Uh, well, but you... not in an overt, but not yeah. in an overt way, because I think there's nothing particularly sexy. Once you've seen a naked body, you know a naked body is a naked body unless you don't go out very much. You know, a pair <laughs> of boobs are very good, and a dick's a dick. But the thing of when you know that something's there, the idea of something maybe. I think for most people that's much more exciting, and that's what I play with very often when I work. And when somebody is to answer your question, going back to your question, Robert, mm-hmm. when you create an environment uh, and you want it to be sensual, you want someone to succumb to the environment, mm-hmm. but hopefully they'll succumb to you. You need to take into account what are the effects of the fragrance: soft, sensual, strong. Uh, strong, by strong, I mean strong in character, you know, mm-hmm. not, not a weak odor. That will do it. The smell of a lawn, the smell of a primrose, the smell of a lemon most likely won't get you the effect you want. And I mean, I love that idea that, that you, you're creating promise in the environment as well. So there is there is that suggestion, just like when somebody um, wears a bit of lingerie. It isn't necessarily, it's just that the covering is the suggestion of nudity that's exciting because, as you say. Of course, it's the promise of what might be there because the (laughs) fantasy, the idea of the fantasy of what will happen, what might that look like, where will that, uh, where can I go with that is always very, very exciting. And and, and a large portion people don't realize of, of sex for most people is that portion of anticipation. So, totally, totally that, and I think so. That's what I think. Scent, where scent is very interesting, because you can create a scent in your environment, which I think it's an interesting thing that you brought that up. Because I think a lot of people wouldn't stop to think that maybe put a, um, uh, you know, oh, I'll put some flowers in a room to make it look nice, or they'll stop to think how their hair might be, or the clothes they're going to wear when they'll meet a partner who's coming to their home. But most likely wouldn't stop to think about, they think about lighting. Mm-hmm. but they wouldn't stop to think about the scent and the effect that that uh, creates. I suppose that for me, because I, because I can be so put off by, by a, something that strikes me as a negative scent and that, that can yep. really get me that I, I've always thought of things like that. And, you know, it, it, it's not tremendously difficult to create. I know. But I totally, I agree with you. It's just, it's like a lot of things in life, isn't it? That often some of the most straightforward things, you see how straightforward they are the moment somebody points it out to yes. you. Yes. But if nobody's ever pointed it out, then maybe it just doesn't enter your consciousness. And I'm sure lots of people listening to us chatting about this will think, oh, I must try. There'll be lots of people thinking, yes, I never, I never wouldn't. But there will be a lot of people, I hope, who are inspired to think of creating. Um, you know, and it's like the thing, you could have one scent 
when you walk into, a, into your home in the sitting room, you have a scent. And then as you walk up toward the bedroom, maybe the scent evolves. So you keep the same scent going. Mm -hmm. But in the bedroom, you put some, something else, something extra, something more seductive. So, you know, the, I think the idea of playing with scent is very, very interesting. I, lo I love the uh, I love the creation aspect of it. And and I think that's it, it's quite obvious if if someone has the opportunity to smell the body of your work. Yep. To see that you yeah, do you. that, you know. Indeed. To see, it, I love the idea of somebody smelling my body, Laurie. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you a little anecdote that's just come into my mind. I think it's quite, going back to the thing we were saying about how important it is to be authentic, mm -hmm. to be uh, just who you are. Um, I was being interviewed years and years ago about perfume. And uh, the next day, the woman I used to share an office with, who was the president actually, came in and I, I smelt her as she entered my room. She always wore the same perfume and she had another perfume on. And I said to her deliberately in a mannered way, uh, I said to her, Barbara, would you mind doing me a favor? And she said, oh yes, what's that? I said, would you mind never wearing that perfume again in my presence? And she said, oh, but it's, I said, I know precisely what it is. And on you, it's as inappropriate as red lipstick on a nun. Oh my goodness. And it was the thing that the perfume wore her. Yes. If that makes any sense. Oh, no, it makes and it, it was, sense. So it's, it's a little bit like somebody wearing clothes that actually just in no way suit, their, suit them for yep. whatever the reason, just so, so they look stupid, whereas the same things on somebody else would look fabulous. And this perfume was like, like that on her. The perfume totally wore her. It overwhelmed who she was as a human being. And I'm afraid that probably happens a lot because I don't, people don't spend the time thinking about this. I, I'm, I often I wonder how many people actually choose their own scent versus a partner chooses it for them. Now, not that I think that it's, it's, it's a bad thing if a partner, and I'm going to ask you about that <laughs> a bit about how you might do that for somebody else. Cause I think it's quite difficult to choose for somebody else, but I think a lot of times women don't choose their own scent. They allow somebody else to do it for them. And so sometimes it bears no resemblance to who they are. I agree fully. I think that um, I've often said this thing that when I travel, this is true for anybody, but doing my work, I'm just very aware of it. You know, I, I'll stand in a hotel waiting for uh, the lift to come. Mm -hmm. So you're st staring at a pair of doors and then eventually the lift door opens and you see somebody and they, they leave the lift and you most likely look at them for between five and five and 15 seconds. But in that time, you take in a lot of information about the person. And then you walk into the lift. And of course, all that's left in the lift is the image of the person you saw mm -hmm. and the scent. Mm -hmm. And the number of times that uh, people get it very wrong. You know, you'll see a man who's trying to dress like he's the most successful businessman. And then you walk in and I smell what he's wearing. And I think, really? You know, the smell has just <laughs> let everything down. Mm -hmm. or, and the same, of course, applies to women. So I think this thing of matching the scent with your personality is one of the most important things. And it is this thing because we are giving it out constantly as a message. Um, and don't follow what is fashion, mm. because what's fashion, what does it mean? You know, uh, there was a time people shouldn't forget when women wore boob tubes and hot pants. Yes. And I'm sure most of them have ripped up. 
most of them, I bet, have ripped up every single photograph of themselves wearing such things. Uh, sense is also very aging, if you think about it, because mm-hmm. in the way we change, in the way we change fashion, uh, clothes, styles, even if they only mo- we only modify what we wear slightly, we do modify the shape. Likewise, people modify their hair, hairstyle, and so on. Um, if you bought a sense that was some huge blockbuster. 20 years ago, and you're still wearing it, to the next generation that's coming through, that's the smell of mothers and grandmothers. Yes. Fathers and grandfathers. Yes. And, I think and that if you find a, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, so I think that if you, once you find a scent that really suits you, then great, stay with it forever, because it's an expression of your personality, and your personality has to last your lifetime, or will last your lifetime. But if you're buying a scent just because it happens to be the latest trendy thing, do bear in mind that you bought it because it was a cool, trendy thing, and anything fashionable becomes unfashionable. So, uh, you know, if you want to make yourself come across as a little younger, maybe, um, then stop and think, oh, why did I choose that scent, and do I really like it? Or is it just habit? So I still wear it because I'm in the habit of it. If you wear it and you love it and everybody knows you for it and it suits you, then stay with it. I can't imagine wearing one thing only for the rest of my life. I can imagine. Well, you know my but, hmm? I can imagine a collection of things, but not one thing only. Well, Laurie, let me say something about a comment on that to do with perfume and lovers. When people ask me, should I only have one perfume or should I change? I always say this. I always say, sometimes we're lucky and we meet one person that we want to spend the whole of our life with and we stay monogamous and we're very, very happy with it. Sometimes we like to have a selection. (laughs) We we like to find people because we love the idea of affairs and who can say whether any of that is right or wrong? The only thing I'd ever say with scent If you want to go flirting, always bear in mind, take into account, if the scent is a limited edition, that you are doomed for a broken heart because Uh it's a love affair that will never last. (laughs) Oh, yes, most definitely. A stockpile. (laughs) No, I'm, I'm... There's so much complexity in this when we look at the way in which it interacts with personality, which I'm really excited about. I wanted to ask about pheromones because people always do. Um, yeah. And to ask what you think of, of pheromones, the idea of pheromones. Um, are- I think the thing that's interesting, we know that pheromones exist within the animal uh, kingdom, mm. and we are part of that, of course. Uh, we know that, um, as you said in your introduction, that we can be drawn to people at certain times because uh, they are more sexually interesting than at other times or sexually mm-hmm. exciting. Um, from a very basic, not the fun part, from the fundamental part of reproduction. Um, Pheromones in human beings haven't been proven. There's a lot written about it and nothing actually has been proven. Uh Um, So what we do know is if you take some some ingredients, if you take a material like vanilla, as a natural vanilla, Mm -hmm. that's a proven like a psychogenic aphrodisiac in as much aphrodisiac enhancing pleasure that there's a lot you can see uh, on the net about it where 
a child has vanilla put under its nose, a baby, and it will smile. Mm-hmm. And every time it's taken away, the face becomes neutral. And they then put a very, very, very mild, uh, sharp substance, a lemon or something under its nose, and it turns its mouth down, thus proving it's not just through the repetition of the action, mm-hmm. but it's learnt to smile. Um, so I think that there's an awful lot that still needs to be explored and done with it, um, because nothing is really proven. What is proven is that certain raw materials are more attractive to large groups of people, vanilla being a very, very good example of that. But those sometimes people can hear things like that and then take a slight uh, blunt sledgehammer approach and will then end up walking around smelling a bit like vanilla custard. Uh, <laughs> often, often a little touch of something is what is exciting. The subliminal whisper in the background, um, you know, a woman walking around shoving her breast straight in your face when you're walking down the street. Some people might find exciting. Most people wouldn't find it that exciting. Do you know what came to mind when you were talking about that was was being a preteen when they had those the solid perfumes were very popular. Yep. Vanilla and musk, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly that. Exactly that. So um, yeah, I think, you know, uh, here's something I'm sure that your listeners will find uh, very interesting, and I'm sure it would be a huge surprise to most people. There's an enormous amount of work starting to be done on uh, anosmia, which, as you know, is the, when you lose your sense of smell. Mm-hmm. And some people are anosmic to certain ingredients, and you can be completely anosmic to sense, smell full stop. I wonder how many of your listeners uh, know that most people take longer to get over the loss of smell. Uh, they will become depressed mm-hmm. than if they lose eyesight. I'm sure because we don't think about smell very much. We don't think about, uh, you know, other than when you're buying a new bottle of perfume. Most people don't really think about it. We don't think of it as this primal thing that's linked to all the things that escaping danger, finding food, and uh, and finding a mate, as you said right at the beginning, too. So I think it's fascinating that most people would say that they would find it more difficult to get over losing their eyesight, I'm sure. But, of course, if you lose your sense of smell, food becomes flavorless. If there's a gas leak, you have no idea of it. Yeah. And your, and your partner's body has absolutely no odor whatsoever. I, the, the thought to me that struck me were two thoughts when you said that right away. One was the idea of not being able to smell my lover at all anymore yep. Is, yep. is incredibly upsetting, but also not being able to smell my child. Now, I mean, my son's an adolescent, and so he smells a hell of a lot different than he did when he was a kid. Um, <laughs> and, and sometimes enough different that I want him to go smell somewhere else. But, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's a teenager. However, there is still a smell that for me is inherently Gabriel. Yeah. And I would find it incredibly distressing to lose that ability to connect. And when we hug or when we kiss, I, I breathe him in. And that's a part of the experience. Um, and I think I would not have thought about that if you hadn't said that. I could see myself becoming incredibly depressed if that were taken from me. Far more well, than here's, here's Here's a parting thought for you, Laurie. One of the things I've always said about uh, smell, uh, as we get older, whether we like it or not, uh, you know, n- nature ends up putting the mark of her hand on us. Mm. And I think that when we look in the mirror, we, we see that on our faces, we see it on our bodies, 
we go into changing rooms and suddenly find our bodies have metamorphosed and bits <laughs> of us that used to be there have ended up somewhere else and we don't know quite how all of it happens. But the one thing that I love about scent is that it's totally unjudgmental. It ignores color, race, creed, age, gender, mm -hmm. and it's kind to all of us. It really is just very, very kind to us. And I think that once the whatever other weapon of seduction people use or tool of seduction, whatever you want to call it, um, when the lights are out and there's nothing left other than the two of you, the thing that will stay in the person's mind most powerfully is the memory of scent. And as time passes and we get older, in 30 years' time, you will smell one breath of your lover's perfume and it reminds you of when you were 30 years younger. It's the best anti-aging product on the market. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> so there's my parting, parting thought for you. I love it. Now, before you leave, can you tell the listeners where they can find you and your delicious creations? It's a pleasure. So either on the website, which is rogerparfum.com, it's about R-O-J-A-P-A-R, F-U-M-S dot com or in the Burlington Arcade number 51 which is just off of Piccadilly in London or on the sixth floor in Harrods in the Roger Dove Haute Parfumerie. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining me this week for the A to Z of Sex. Write in with your questions to Dr. Lori Beth at A to Z of Sex dot com. That's A-T-O Z or Z O F S E X dot com and visit both websites www.adozofsex.com and www.the-intimacy-coach.com to learn about alternative sexual choices, types of sexual relationships, and to learn to sizzle and create that ideal lasting intimate relationship. For a free 30-minute session with me, head over to www.a-to-zofsex.com and click on the button that says book now. I hope you'll join me next week when the letter will be T. Thanks so much again, Roja. Thank you very much indeed, Laurie. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes and make sure you head over to www.a to z of sex.com. That's A T O Z O F S E X to subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling. Stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex, sexuality, desire, and intimacy. Knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy. Hope to see you next week. <laughs>